1: Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Today we're gonna talk about a topic of marketing that some people say is dead and some people find tremendous amount of engagement with, organic social. Joining us is Brooke Sellis, who's the founder and CEO of B Squared Media, which is a boutique digital marketing agency specializing in done for you social media marketing and advertising services. Today, Brooke is going to walk us through her thoughts on the role of using social posting as a tool to drive engagement with prospects and customers. Here is our interview with Brooke Sellis, founder and CEO of B Squared Media. Brooke, welcome to the Martech Podcast.
2: Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk with you today.
1: Well, I am excited to have you here and really excited to talk about a somewhat controversial topic when it comes to social media marketing, which is the role of organic social. Let me just start off by asking you for a little bit of information about B Squared Media. Tell us about you and about your company.
2: Sure. So we are about to turn seven in May. And I guess we're officially out of startup phase, but I still call us a startup because aren't we all? (laughs) And as you mentioned, we're a boutique, which means we're pretty small. It's myself and about 15 other remote workers. And we service about 40 different clients, both with organic social media help, as well as digital advertising help. So our clients range anywhere from small companies to medium and even enterprise size brands. So like Fortune 100, recognizable brands, and every agreement that we have or the service that we do for the clients, or if you want to call it key performance indicators that we have to meet are vastly different based on what the client needs are.
1: So you said somewhere along the way in your intro about your company, the word organic social, which is controversial. I think that if you asked your average performance marketer, they'd say organic social is dead. There's no purpose for it. You should just try to buy all of your social traffic. I'm assuming that you have a different take. Tell me about the use for organic social and why companies should consistently post across different social networks.
2: So I would have to totally disagree, and I think it's an all-in-me approach. I mean, if you look at advertising numbers, they're not great. As a performance marketer, yes, we know that Facebook came clean a couple of years ago, and they said to us, hey, Facebook's now a pay-to-play site, and we have to spend some ad dollars there. But that doesn't mean that organic is dead. Really, the way exciting and innovative brands are using organic social is more for that one-to-one connection with their consumers or personifying the brand, making the brand seem like a human because I'm sure we've heard it a million times, right? People don't love brands, they love people. But there is actually research on personifying brands and brands being able to gain love and loyalty from consumers based on different factors.
1: Here's my philosophy. When people say organic is dead, I think that the average performance marketer who's saying, hey, your organic posts don't matter. Customer acquisition all happens through paid. They're thinking very much about either the top of the funnel or the bottom of the funnel. They are excluding the middle of the funnel, which is building lasting relationships with your customers.
2: Yes. Nurture, middle part.
1: Exactly. So when you get someone to, you mentioned Facebook, obviously it's the 800 pound elephant in the room when it comes to social media, that they're a triple P, the pay to play platform. But there is the idea of driving somebody from your performance ads into a place where you can retain them and provide them information over time. Talk to me about the strategy on Facebook and on other channels for driving people into your pages. What's the value of driving them to a website as opposed to a like or a follow?
2: So, obviously, there are times in which we want to send the consumer off the Facebook page to some sort of promo link or sale. But typically what we try to do is to make sure that we're staying in line with the algorithm, which means we want to try to keep people on the Facebook page because Facebook likes that, their algorithm likes that. So when you send people off to a link, unless it's through a Facebook specific campaign, you can get dinged. So what we're trying to do on the Facebook page is personify the brands. Try to give some of that one-to-one connection, like asking questions, especially when it comes to feedback about the brand or getting the consumer to have an emotion, especially if that emotion happens to be love. And then also to share behind the scenes content, which goes back to personifying the brand. So what we've seen across the board, even though we work with numerous industries, is that anytime we share what we call behind-the-scenes content, which this content could be like storytelling about something that happened in the office. It could be a picture of an office event. We have clients who actually highlight their employees and kind of tell their own personal stories, how they came to be a part of that brand. And that content, every time, without exception, performs way better than any of the Facebook averages on content without paid advertising behind that content.
1: Talk to me a little bit more about the data where you're saying that the content where you're posting behind the scenes information and storytelling performs better. What do you mean by performs better and what are you benchmarking it against?
2: So if you look at some of the averages for content shared on Facebook, I believe the average is like 2% or less engagement on content that isn't backed by any paid media or organic content as we're calling it what we've seen is upwards of eight, nine, 10 plus percent on what we're calling behind the scenes content. And again, it doesn't have to be crazy behind the scenes content. We're talking about something as simple as a picture from some sort of um, employee event or a picture of the actual employee. Like, hi, this is Brooke. She's worked for B Squared for seven years. Did you know that in her spare time, she loves to volunteer at a local horse farm, blah, 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 blah. That kind of information is super simple. Or it could be something that's a little more in depth, like the owner of the company, we have another client, and the owner of the company comes on and doesn't ask me anything on Facebook Live, and people go wild for it. And there's no paid dollars behind this content, but it constantly performs well over that 2% of engagement, oftentimes, like I said, at 10% or more.
1: Let's talk a little bit about channels outside of Facebook. There's the Twitters of the world, LinkedIn, Pinterest. There's a couple different purposes for all of those. Are you finding that this brand personification strategy is something that works across all channels? Just how do you view organic across the multiple different social networks?
2: Sure. So I think they worked really well on Instagram because Instagram is such a visual channel. I think LinkedIn is doing a better job of becoming a visual channel, but essentially there's a report came out recently. Hootsuite paired up with We Are Social and they released like the state of digital marketing for 2019. And what was really interesting, and this deck is ginormous, by the way. So if you go find it and you filter through it, it's a huge deck. But in the middle of the deck, they talk about social media. And if you look at what's happening, it's really interesting. You see a lot of the numbers falling on platforms like Twitter that aren't as visual. And you see the numbers continuing to grow, even though they've stagnated a little bit. But Facebook has like 2 billion plus people. So of course, the growth is going to stagnate because they're starting to reach capacity. But they're still growing. Instagram, obviously, growing very much. Snapchat, not growing because Instagram took over Snapchat.
1: Ate their lunch.
2: Yes, took their lunch money and ate their lunch. But if you look at the visual platforms, where I think storytelling becomes easy, it's like built into the UX and CX of these platforms. Those platforms are showing continual good numbers for social media marketers and not just advertising numbers, although the advertising numbers in this report were pretty amazing. But Twitter, unfortunately, in both the organic and the advertising side is not doing well. And I truly believe it's because Twitter is like the micro blogging Yes, we all share like funny memes and gifts and whatnot. But for the most part, Twitter is not a visual based platform. And I think that's one of the reasons why they're not doing well.
1: It's interesting that you're talking about the visual medium, right, where the behind the scenes here is the picture of Brooke, who is the CEO of the company. And this is our way to show you that the people at B Squared are real people and that you're going to have a relationship with a real human and that visual experience. When you have content that you want to share, right, if you're a B2B brand and you're trying to promote your thought leadership or your positioning or you're working hard on your blog posts, can you use social networks to distribute that? Is it worth trying to post that stuff on LinkedIn, on Twitter, any other channels?
2: Yeah, I do think it's worth it. And I think this is the conundrum that we're having. I don't know if you're a fan of Mark Schaefer, but he is a good friend of mine and he just released his book, Marketing Rebellion. And if you read the book or read the book, essentially the theme of the book is this, the most human company wins. So we're in this age of so much data and all of these intelligent tools. And as marketers, we have our faces planted into these dashboards and we're looking at the data and we've gotten away from that whole human-to-human marketing thing that marketing is really based off of, that social is based off of. And I think what's happening is we keep finding marketing so difficult when really it's super easy. What's difficult is that we've put all of these restraints on it. We've made social media a sales channel versus a conversational channel. And then we're wondering why it's not working.
1: It's one of the reasons why we mentioned nurture earlier in the conversation. And that's the first thing that comes up to mind when I think of social media Give an example of how we use social media for the promotion of the MarTech podcast. Occasionally, I'll post some stuff on Twitter, but I really focus on LinkedIn because I know that I have an audience there that follows, and my hope is to start a conversation around a specific topic. It is not just like, hey, here is the link. It is, tell me what you think about the topic that we're starting to discuss, and here is a point of the beginning of the conversation. You should listen to the podcast. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Talk to me about some of the other strategies that you have for nurturing and building relationships and and what channels do you rely on? Let's maybe focus more specifically on B2B.
2: Well, just like you were saying, you tried to open up a conversation. And our tagline for B Squared Media is think conversation, not campaign. So even though we do deliver campaigns, we really try to deliver those campaigns with the embodiment of starting with that conversation. So one of the really cool things that you can do on social media is use it as a playground. If you stop seeing social media as this big, scary thing that you have to collect these certain things on, and you have to get this percentage of sales from, it can become a really awesome place. So some of our B2B clients, for instance, we've got one that's a company in Chicago. They do playground and fencing equipment, and they actually use Instagram polls to find out what kind of content they should be producing on their Instagram page. So they'll say something like your child's birthday is coming up and we're going to give you a free gift. If we were to give you any free gift, what would you rather get from us? A trampoline or a basketball hoop? And then based on the way that people answer that survey, they create more content around trampolines or basketball hoops. And then if we have the client's email and we have their birthday through their CRM, we can send out a, Hey, we know you said little Johnny would really enjoy a trampoline for his birthday. So here's 10% off your trampoline purchase this month, Johnny's birthday month.
1: Isn't the right answer I want A basketball hoop with a trampoline in front of it.
2: (laughs) That just sounds dangerous. (laughs) And a lot of padding. Yeah, a lot of padding. But these days, they're so fancy. They weren't like when we were, well, I don't know how old you are, and I don't want to presume. Like when we were kids, basically everyone broke something on the trampoline. They didn't have those special padding, little ropey sheet things.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm old enough to have a two-year-old who I could tell you it's trampoline or basketball hoop, not trampoline and basketball hoop.
2: Oh, okay, okay. So yeah, I think if you use it specifically, always thinking about the consumer. What does the consumer know? Not what I want. Because if I post what I want, you're going to be doing what we see most companies doing on social, which they're still getting it wrong, which is buy my trampoline set, buy my basketball fit, 50% off, buy it now. That's not it. It's really simple. It's like any other relationship. What do you want and how can I give that to you?
1: Okay, so... When you're building your organic social strategy, we're going to talk about behind the scenes. We're going to think about nurturing content, starting conversations. Talk to me about the cadence of posting. How often are you posting on Twitter? Are you reposting the same content? Is it different from Facebook, LinkedIn? How often should you be posting on the platforms to start those conversations?
2: I love and hate this question all because I'm a big proponent of there are no best practices. Everybody has their own best practices. So I can sit here and tell you that Tuesdays at 2 p.m. on Facebook is historically the best time to post, but that may not work for your particular industry. So we go in literally every week for our clients. And we look at the native data from the platform itself to find out when the best time to post is for that platform. And it changes all the time, which is again, why I don't believe in best practices, but we do try to post often. So on Facebook, for instance, we definitely try to post every day. And we let engagement numbers tell us when to pull back or when to post more. So for example, if we were to post a behind the scenes piece of content that was organic and did really well on Monday, we may even go for a second post on Tuesday if we've seen a good amount of engagement the prior week on Facebook. But if we hadn't seen good engagement the prior week on Facebook, and we posted that behind the scenes content, and it did really well, we would wait until Tuesday to post again. But if we saw a really even higher number of engagement on Tuesday, on whatever we posted, then on Wednesday, we might try for a second post. So it's constantly testing, constantly looking at what the consumers are telling us they want, and then doing that.
1: When you're posting content, tell me a little bit about how you're actually engaging the customers. You're posting this behind the scene content. Are you asking questions? You mentioned polls. What are some of the other tricks or tips to drive that engagement and start that conversation?
2: Sure. I mean, I think just getting in line with some of the questions that your customers need asking. So if you have like a frequently asked questions section of your website, or if you go to your sales department and ask them, what are some of the pain points people are constantly asking? If you can take that information first, like if you were just starting out with this strategy, you can kind of already understand what kinds of questions people want answered. Because at first, it is a little difficult. It's kind of like dating. You can't go in on the first date and be like, so when do you want to get married? You know, that's a little creepy. So you have to start with what you have and slowly but surely, again, as you get more of that engagement, you can go deeper with some of the questions. So you could even go into product development with some of your questions. So we use social media a lot for product research and product development, but you could say something like, I'm a pen company. Hey guys, we are thinking about creating a pen that's burnt orange ink. What do you guys think? Love it or hate it? And you can leave it as an open-ended question. You could also use it as a poll on Instagram, but on Facebook, for instance, or LinkedIn, use it as an open-ended question. And then use that feedback to actually produce the burnt orange ink pen. If you get a lot of feedback that people love it and you produce it, you get to go back and say, you guys wanted it, we're delivering it. And the first 20 people that comment on this post will send a free package of burnt orange pins to, or whatever. If they don't love it, you get to open it up for more conversation and say, why do you hate it? What color would you rather us do next?
1: Interesting. You mentioned that you can use a poll and that you're basically posting this question across multiple channels. Talk to me about repurposing content across the multiple channels. Is this just you're taking the same thing and slapping it everywhere? Or what's the difference between your various channels?
2: No. So we don't believe in cross posting in the cross posting sense that we see a lot of people do, which they still do, which I can't understand, it, which is sharing the same exact piece of content on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. It comes out at the same time. It has the same text, it has the same picture, which is, you know, on Twitter not going to come out right. It has like the Facebook me, whatever link. We do use the same content across different channels, but we write for the channel itself. So knowing that, say, again, we'll take that basketball and fence company, knowing that their audience on Facebook are the mommies, the decision makers will write for mommies. Knowing that our audience on Instagram might be younger mommies and maybe even potentially some of the children because they work with a lot of older children as well. It's not just younger children. We're going to write that content that has a tone and voice that's for that group. And then we will use a different type of visual obviously sized for the appropriate platform on that channel. And we want to do it at the same day at the same time. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, built into that is there's a different audience for different channels and it seems like Instagram and I'm assuming Snapchat as well skew a little younger, but they are broad social channels that are very visual. Facebook is the channel where you can capture everyone, but really the younger generations are not flocking to Facebook as their default social media channel. Talk to me about the other channels, Twitter, LinkedIn, Pinterest. I'm sure that there are other channels that I'm going to forget here. How do you think about them and cross-posting?
2: So we never really want to cross-post. On Pinterest, obviously, it needs to be a pin. It needs to be a pin with a price if you have a product. It's really just not that hard. I think we make it harder than it has to be. Follow the guidelines. And if a particular channel doesn't fit in with the brand, then we don't worry about it. We're not trying to be everywhere and trying to be everything to everyone. If we're talking about, again, this particular fences and playgrounds company, right now we're focusing on Facebook and Instagram for them because that's where we've seen the most success. Could we try to go out and get on Twitter and use it? Yes. However, would I recommend it? Probably not. I mean, I'm into maybe testing something like that, but again, being that they're such a visual brand. I don't think that Twitter is the place to be for this particular client. So I'm not going to suggest that they go try to put some efforts and time into Twitter.
1: I think at the end of the day, it's about knowing who your audience is, goes into your segmentation. If you're a content-focused brand, then posting your content on Twitter and starting a conversation around it makes sense. If you're a B2B brand, LinkedIn's a no-brainer. If you're an e-commerce brand, maybe Pinterest makes sense. Facebook is the catch-all. Instagram is the visual version of Facebook. That's kind of how I think about it. And I'm sure that there are other social networks. There's Quora and Reddit and other community sites that also fit into this. You really need to understand who your customers are and what's going to be a fit for them and meet them in the right place where they're looking for your content.
2: Right. And even at the end of the day, the clients who are using our organic media services, they still, at the end of the day, are hoping that doing that is going to somehow turn into sales. So we, as marketers, it's up to us to educate the client and explain to them like, look, organic isn't about leads and sales. It's about building that loyal community. It's about brand loyalty, brand love, brand sentiment. Yes, we can use advertising to help get you those leads quickly. But another thing to think about with organic content, if you're focusing on ads, I don't know about you, but when I see an ad for somebody, I oftentimes click over to the Instagram page or the Facebook page. And if there was no content there and nothing going on and people not having lively conversations, I probably wouldn't be interested in the product any longer.
1: Yeah, I think that organic is very much about credibility and conversation, as you said. I guess the last question for you today is, tell me about the overlap between paid social and organic. Are you seeing that people are having success using paid channels to drive engagement with social and then driving incrementally more sales?
2: Absolutely. Yes. Obviously, because things have moved in the pay to play direction, the brands who are using both and tandem, we're seeing a lot of success with. We have a financial brand, believe it or not, who we're seeing huge success with because we're doing their organic and their paid media. And they keep throwing more money at us for their paid campaigns because we keep over-delivering on our KPI, both on the organic and the advertising side. And I think because they're so open and innovative to doing a lot of the the behind-the-scenes content and to using that human connection and that conversation, one thing that came up in one of our advertising campaigns was Buffalo Wild Wings. And it was such a visceral reaction from the crowd about Buffalo Wild Wings that we decided to run with it with an ad. And that ad has been one of our most successful ads to date. So digging into those conversations for product or service research, like I mentioned earlier, can be a real boon, but you have to do the homework. You have to be kind of willing to like roll up your sleeves and do the work.
1: At the end of the day, social posting requires you to post potentially multiple times a day across multiple channels, and each channel is going to be a little different. So you really have to understand what content is the right match and figuring out how to build that conversation and that community individually in each social network. So rich topic. And I do see that there is definitely value into supplementing your paid acquisition channels and potentially testing driving organic growth if you have a longer sales cycle. So lots to think about. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Brooke Sellis, founder and CEO of B Squared Media for joining us. In part two of this interview, which we're going to publish tomorrow, Brooke and I are going to talk about the value and process for handling inbound social as a customer service channel. And if you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Brooke, you can click on the link to her LinkedIn profile in our show notes, or you'd send her a tweet at hello, B Squared, H-E-L-L-O-B-S-Q-U-A-R-E-D. Or you could visit her website, bsquared.media. That's B-S-Q-U-A-R-E-D.media. If you're a subscriber to the Martech podcast, thank you for being a member of our community. We always want to hear from you, so we created benjshap.com slash question where you can send us your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you could always reach out on social media. My handle is Ben J. Shap on LinkedIn and on Twitter. It's B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, in addition to part two of our conversation with Brooke Sellis, the founder and CEO of B Squared Media, we've got some great episodes lined up for the rest of the week. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. Okay.